Hi, I'm Rima, and you're listening to Think Like a Scientist. In this show, we break down barriers between scientific thinking and modern-day actions. We do this by interviewing groundbreaking leaders for the result of providing you real-life tools and experiences that you can use to bring positive impact. Hi everyone, I'm Rima. For today's episode, we are going to welcome Dr. Dina Al-Tayyib. She is a dentist and triathlete who is also the first Saudi to complete the Ironman. She got her bachelor's in dental medicine and surgery from King Abdulaziz University, where she was also an assistant professor. She also got her advanced dental certificate in periodontology from Tufts in 2002. She then got her master's of science from Tufts University in 2004. She's also the first Saudi elected as a trustee on the boards of Tufts University, and she also serves on dental board of advisors of Tufts University. Throughout her journey, she founded Dentalia Clinics, where she is also a private practitioner in the field of implants and periodontology. Let's welcome Dr. Dina. Thank you, Rima, for this wonderful instruction. Uh, thank you for this wonderful intro- introduction, and uh, I'm so proud and uh, happy to be on one of the first uh, candidates on your episodes. Thank you, and I'm so excited, and we're all so excited for you to be here. So let's uh, start simple. How? Uh, how have you been doing it? It's been a it's been a busy year. It's been a different year through uh, COVID. You know, we had to adapt to um, a lot of uh, different ways of doing things. Uh, mainly, just the lack of races, the lack of uh, you know, we people that do a lot of races are used to having goals, and then now you're mm-hmm. faced with a year that has no goals, and so you have to look internally and find like internal goals or things that you want to achieve or areas that you've neglected that you you know whether it's physical or mental or emotional that you need to fulfill and you need to uh, give it priority and attention kind of moving out of this and uh, now we're uh, we have few races that are probably going to happen many races in the u.s have already started to happen so it looks promising it looks like we're over the worst part of covid and now we're just gradually going to roll back to our normal life. Uh, So do you also go to other uh, countries like the U.S. for races? I do a lot of, it depends on, of course, the time and the season. Um, Through the summer, I do a lot of my races in the U.S. Um, They have a lot, most of the Ironman races are in the U.S. because of the weather and, you know, during the winter months, more in the Middle East, more in Dubai. So uh, I try to explore different regions, different areas, different countries. And the best way for me to see how a country feels is through a race. <laughs> yeah. And also one thing I was curious about when you were speaking about, um, you know, your athletic journey, you said that you tried so many things, including scuba diving and martial arts, but then you stuck to a triathlon. What made you, you know, so gravitated towards it? I think triathlon found me. I didn't find <laughs> triathlon. <laughs> like stumbled upon it. I uh, uh, I just found it by an accident. But then I loved it because for me, triathlon is um, a journey within yourself. It's what you make of it, and it's not. You don't need other people. You don't need a team. You don't. It's you and yourself. And you're racing against yourself. Yes, you're racing against other people, but you're racing so you can be the best you can so you can achieve better results. So it's more individual and, you know, whether you you succeed or fail, it's all because of you. It's not because of anybody else. It's not the coach, it's not the team, it's not the referee, it's you. <laughs> 
So I like that part of like self-accountability. And what surprised you the most, like going into triathlon that you didn't know when you first started? The, the level of commitment that is needed in the sport. Uh, especially the more you go into longer distances, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to do it in a month. If you're not ready, if you haven't started to prepare it from the beginning of the year, you can't, you can't jump uh, steps. You have to gradually, you know, move from, you know, like a ladder from the last step to the second until you reach to the top. So that, that I think what surprised me the most, the, the amount of dedication and commitment that the sports needs. And but also the reward that you get. Is that what you did in the beginning too? Like, or was it something that you learned later on? No, I learned, of course I learned because when, as I, as I told you, like the sport found me, I didn't find it. So when I started, I had like very little coaching. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to do or, you know, oh, wow. what and I, I just learned it by practice, by looking at other people. And then I gradually got like, after a few years, I got coaches and started really learned it from scratch. And you also mentioned that um, racing and um, triathlete is uh, like triathlons take a toll on like on your mental health and not just physically so like how do you deal with those difficult times especially during COVID as well it is to me uh, I'm a goal-oriented person so I always like to have goals in in different aspects of my life so if I know that uh, I have a goal you know I have a race maybe in, in nine months or in six months then I know and if I, if I fall mentally because I'm tired or exhausted or other aspects in my life took priority, then I always have to remind myself of why am I doing this? Why am I waking up early to train? Why am I you know, deciding to go on a bike ride when it's too hot or too cold? It's because I have a goal to achieve. And then I try to give myself little goals because that goal far away, you might like to say, oh, well, I deal with it tomorrow. But if you have like a monthly stuff that you, you know, benchmarks that you need to, um, achieve or gauge how your progress is. I think that is, uh, to me, that what helps me get to the to the final, to the finish line. Uh, but during COVID, the hardest thing is that this was not present anymore. Like everything that motivated us and drived us, you know, we woke up because we know we have a race, we get excited, the race is coming up, you know, we look at travel, like, and now there was nothing. There was very little opportunities to be outdoor. Uh, if you can, depends on where you live, depends on the weather. So we had to adapt all of that and say, okay, how can I, how can I survive this? And it took a little bit of, uh, it's very emotional because we, you know, people that are kind of addicted to these endurance races, like feel so connected to that. So when, when your the connection to your achievement is gone, now you're, you have to deal with what you have within yourself. And, uh, and so I, I, to me, I tried to do something different. I said, okay, I have a year that I can try to do other stuff that I never have time to do. So I could do more yoga. When I was in, uh, I was in Canada at the time, I said, okay, let me try skate skiing and I, let me go hiking. Let me do all the stuff that I never have time to do because I have strict training and schedule. And that's been very rewarding. I'm not sure I'm fitter now, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> It's been very re- rewarding. I'm I'm uh, I'm a happier person, I think. Well, I'm 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 a happy person to start with. But I mean, like uh, exploring that different venue of doing stuff when you don't have benchmarks and guidelines and pace that you have to do and a speed that you have to you know this how much kilometer many kilometers you have to run per week. Now you can just run because you enjoy it. 
because you want to, because you want to run in the forest or you want to, you know, go swimming or you want to just go to the sea or to the ocean. So that opens like a nice variety. So I think moving on, I would definitely try to incorporate more of these different non-structured swim, bike, run events into my daily routine or like at least a weekly routine. Wow, that's really interesting. Like, I really like how you took yourself to like explore other things as well. And um, you learned, I guess, a lot of things during the year that you may not have learned Yeah, I I learned to uh, cook. I learned to (laughs) do other stuff that I don't usually have time to do. (laughs) And also, I'm uh, like, it's quite surprising. And I admire how like your determination, because you're also, you battle so many things. I think you have such a high, you mentioned that you have such a high workload being a mother and as well, a dentist. So how do you manage that and have an important time management? Yeah, the important time, the time management becomes really crucial. The more you want of yourself, uh, you know, the more areas you got to achieve. But also from COVID, I learned that I need to give space, give a lot more space in my life. So not not crowd my day, you know, from one appointment to the other. Just give a little more space. Take out what is not needed. Take out what consumed a lot of time and has little reward and just make my life a little simpler but also give time to the things that i've enjoyed and that i feel that will will benefit me reaching my goals uh so so yes time management is important but now i look at it from a different lens so is it right to say that's like it's not just how you manage your time but what you include yes what you include and you also like you don't want to you want to manage your life efficiently, but you don't want to make your life super stressful where you're constantly going from one appointment to the other. So really, so COVID taught me to the importance of decreasing the stress level and simplifying my life, you know, not adding too many, saying no when I, when I can't do it. You know, I'm often like a nice person that will say, you know, so anybody that comes, oh, I need help. Okay, <laughs> bring it on. One more hat to wear. And now I learned like, okay, you know, I can help, but I have to know my capacity and, and how much time I need to really allow my body to allow my, our, you know, our stress level to go down and just allow your body to be calm so you can achieve what you want with happiness and with comfort without like stress and, and anxiety. Yeah, I like how you touched on that because I think so many people also struggle with that, which is like um, struggle with allowing themselves to just, you know, rest even because I also like going into especially me even going into university I um I I was good at time management but didn't know that you know maybe I should like you said take time for myself and allow myself to say no and you know know my own capacities and my own limits so it's really interesting that you touched on that because I also related to that as well a lot and I'm sure so many people relate because it's very common and um, you also mentioned that when you go home, you don't like to take your work uh, home with you and you like to prioritize and, for example, spending time with your family. But with um, COVID being everything online and working from home, how did you manage that during the year? That, that is the part that I don't like. That was, that's my least COVID favorite part <laughs> is how much time we spend on you know zoom calls and you know like doing meetings on lines i think 
It, is, uh, it lacks the human interaction, which is very important. When we are sitting together in a room, we share energies. You can feel you know, if the person is happy with what you said, if you're, you know, you're well received. But when you're talking across the screen, it's different. It's just it's a lot more stressful. It's less communication. It's less emotions. So um, I'm happy that we'd probably gradually move out of that. Maybe we'll find something like sometimes if you're not, if you can't attend the meeting for some reason, you will call in Zoom, but that won't be the norm. That'll be the exception. Yeah, I hope that too. Because I think a lot of things are going online and um, becoming, shifting uh, like the workforce to working from home when they can. But at the same time, I'm thinking about like the human interaction and the importance of being in person, really. It's, it really like brings out the, it's really, it's just different, like like you mentioned as well. And um, yeah. So also like talking about like time management and all of that stuff. Um, you also mentioned that uh, being a board trustee for Tufts University makes you realize how different yet similar we all are. Can you expand more on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, like serving as a, I was a faculty at Tufts, a visiting faculty at Tufts University, and I also was a faculty at King Abdelaziz University, and I served on the management front for both universities. So just looking at it from a, from a different lens, you know, seeing, okay, we might have like, uh, uh, different um, problems and different issues to deal with based on the culture, based on where you are, based on like the politics in your region and what your country is going through. But at the end of the day, let's say as an educational institution, your primary goal is to help the student recruit good faculty, uh, make sure your faculty are happy, make sure your system runs well, make sure your you know, administration, they're happy, they're efficient. So on the bigger scheme, we're all the same. And as a trustee, we all want to do the best we can. We all want to serve an institution that we feel connected to, that we love. And that's the basic. Like as human beings, we all want to do the best that we can and have a nice, comfortable life and be with our families and you know achieve whatever goals we want to and we put for ourselves, regardless of where you come from regardless of where you live, regardless of your color, your nationality, your background, your ethnicity, we are all at the end of the day, human beings that try to do the best we can. You also like mentioned and how we just talked about how different yet how similar we all are. And maybe I think we, I believe we all go through like phases where we may doubt ourselves. So how did you go through that challenge, especially when you were um, going through the Ironman uh, 14 hour, uh, journey and you know you experience so many emotions so how was that experience for you i think i learned i because through these long races the more your body gets tired the more your mind takes out uh, over and you start doubting yourself and telling why are you doing this and why did you put yourself in this <laughs> situation and it hurts too much and you're not going to be able to finish or you're not as good as everyone so you have all these negative thoughts and I really taught myself is to always, at least the minimum entry level is to smile. <laughs> so I think if you smile, you will just even subconsciously bring some positive energy in. And then I'll try and like distract myself and, and just give myself like, okay, just for the next five minutes, I'm just going to focus on what's going right, not what's going wrong, not my you know knee or back, I'm going to focus on. What is going right now? I feel good. I feel okay. I'm alive. I can breathe. You know, I'm enjoying this. I'm in a great country. There's sunshine. There's people. There's like crowd. There's cheers. So I try to like get positive energy from cheering crowds, from 
anything around me that can fuel me and try not to go to that negative spot. So I stop that negative, you know, chatter in my mind and just make sure that uh, my well-being stay positive. And that would carry you to the finish line. There was one race and I did in, uh, in Hawaii and uh, it was the end of the run and it was getting dark and I wasn't feeling well. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get to the finish line? And then there was a little bench with the aid station. They put the drinks and everything. And there was a little girl volunteering and she gave me a little post-it note that oh. said, you can do it and had a little heart. And oh, gave that's so cute. This for you, here, take it. So I took that <laughs> note and I still keep it in my wallet. So every time like anything of any dust they take this out and they say okay it's really just... the little things that really just help you push through right. and you were able to just finish after that like and i finished and that gave me like positive energy to carry me through the last what half an hour or so of the race and yeah you did mention also um how important gratitude is in your life how and how the importance of gratitude and being grateful for the things around us absolutely there was one time where i uh had a foot injury and before that, I didn't enjoy running as much. And every time I ran, I'm like, oh my God, I have to go for another run. I'm just tired and I don't feel like doing it. And then I hurt my foot. And I wasn't able to run for about a like, good three, four months. Oh, wow. And every time I looked at runners, I said to myself, I will never, I will always be grateful that I have, that I'm healthy to do what I love. So I wake up in the morning and I'm really grateful that I have, you know, good health. I have, you know, my body's okay and I'm able to do what I love. Wow. It's really one of the things as well, like uh, taken away from us, we realize how important it was, how significant it was when we first had it. Also, was that experience like uh, already when you were into triathlon or was it in the beginning of your journey? No, I think this is something you learn in life. Life teaches you to be grateful. Because if you're not grateful, things are going to be taken away from you. يعني سبحان الله اللي ما يشكر النعمة يعني الواحد لو يبغى نعمة تدوم عنده يشكر رب العالمين. فلما ما نشكر or we feel like oh it's not good enough, then what this is taken away from you, you won't realize how important those little things that you never said thank you for, that you were never grateful for. Gratitude to me is not the big things. The big things, alhamdulillah, you know, like you have a home, you have a car, alhamdulillah. This, these are like, we're, we're ultimately grateful for. But it's even the little things that you're sitting and you're, you know, listening to a bird singing or, or it's sunny today or it's nice weather or you can go for coffee or like those little things. Those little interactions with other humans that someone would smile and say something nice to you. I really, I 100% agree. And as soon as I started to also recognize the little, little things like birds chirping and uh, the sound of the rain, uh, even right now it's raining and it's really, it's little, little things that it becomes, you, it, you just end up becoming happier naturally over time um, as you become more grateful for the things that are around you and just the little things like you mentioned, not just like... All just a state of mind. It's whatever, like if you feel calm from inside and you are in a positive state, even the little things won't, or the big things won't annoy you as much. But if you're like ungrateful and unhappy and unsettled and unbalanced from inside, even the slightest, you know, like discomfort that comes or person that is angry that crosses your path, you will just react to that. Yeah. Also, how did you, like, for example, when you go through your days, especially if you have a big race or a big day that you have to prepare for when little things like that happen how do you deal with them like uh, i will try and if it is if it happens during the race if i have something disastrous have you know bike broke or or something or i forgot something or i will 
if it is before the race, I may panic a little bit because then I'm like, oh my God, this is natural. And you're already feeling anxious that the race is coming. <laughs> but if it is during the race, I'll take a deep breath and say, okay, this is what we have to deal with. Let's see, uh, is it a big deal? Can I, can I get over it? Can I just overcome this? Or can I find another solution? Or okay, it's not ideal, but that's okay. That's never an ideal situation. So I'll try and calm myself through it. Yeah, well, but how like things like let's say the helmet broke, and then now I can I again in one of the Hawaii races the helmet broke, and without the helmet you're not allowed to leave the transition because you have to have the helmet before you ride the bike. So I went and I tried to fix the helmet, and the helmet now is not fixed, and now we're like five six minutes into just I'm wasting time just waiting, and then there was such a nice uh, volunteer that said, hold on, I have a helmet uh, that I borrowed from someone. I'm just going to go up to my room and get it. So he went up to the room. He gave me this massive helmet <laughs> that I wore. But at least I was able to do to wear a helmet and get out and later on, you know, find another one, found another one and I replaced it. But there was a stranger that didn't even know my name, didn't even know who I am. I just, after the race, I had to search him. Like, where is this person that gave me his beautiful helmet? Yeah, you know, these acts of kindness that even though it wasn't an ideal situation, but I I witnessed like the, the, the good nature of human beings. Yeah. Wow, that's actually such a great experience. And uh, was that one of the recent races or like which that was it? Was, that was the first time I went to Kona. I was so excited <laughs> that the first I one overclipped my my helmet buckle and <laughs> I could not take it out and could not wear it. <laughs> oh, so what's what has what's your favorite race that you've done so far? I mean, apart from Kona, of course, Kona is like the favorite race of everyone, just because it's the the goal and it's something that if you make it on the start line there, it means you are like best of the best. Uh, other than that, I always loved Ironman Canada because Ironman Canada had had huge uh, spectators. They all came, everybody from Vancouver went up to the mountains to cheer everyone. We had a lot of friends. I had a lot of family around me. And just the energy of the place was vibrant, was happy. So I have, and that was my first Ironman. So that was, that still is my favorite race. And how long does it take you to prepare for an Ironman like that? A good, depends on your entry level, like if you're just new, you haven't done any biking or cycling or running, it may take you a year. Uh, if you have some sort of an experience, maybe nine months, I think. Mm, okay, that's great. And also, what would you say to those who are, you know, wanting to start something or wanting to put themselves out there and start something that they're interested in, but, but are afraid to start it? Uh, I think when you say afraid, it means we're always, our ego gets in the way. You're afraid of failing. And you're afraid of failing, not for yourself, but mostly how you would look in front of others. Mm -hmm. That's why we're afraid of. But I always ask myself, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't succeed. Or, or you will succeed, but it may take you more than one try to do that because you're still learning something new. So I would encourage anybody that wants to try something new, as long as they, they can research it a little bit and know that they have the the means to help them. So they can find some sort of coaching. They can, uh, you know, they can have the they can buy a bike. They can have like some sort of a reasonable training grounds that they can uh, they can you know achieve whatever they want. But 
it's not that difficult it's just our ego gets in the way yeah yeah it's really like exactly the point that you said i was just i was literally just thinking and i was asking the question which is like i don't think it's really we're afraid of of uh the actual or doing the actual thing but we're afraid of either the rejection or fear failure that we may experience by doing it so it's really just trying to undermine that and uh, try to really you know let ourselves know that it's like you said it's the ego that gets in the way and really at the end of the day we all fail like it's inevitable that we're going to fail so we it's really the mistakes that we learn from mm-hmm. uh it's really important for uh I, you know these lessons that's the only way we learn and grow so that's it's really important that you touched on that yeah and also to have a realistic expectations of yourself so let's say someone is doing decided to do an ironman or do a triathlon or do a marathon uh, the best thing is to go in your first race to enjoy it not say like i'm gonna go and like break the benchmark of three hours marathon and maybe that's unrealistic mm-hmm So it's not, it's do a marathon, enjoy it first, see how it feels like, and then slowly build on the competition within yourself and say, okay, every year I'm going to get myself better. This is what I learned from this journey on the first year. I'm going to, you know, improve my cycling. I think my running needs to be on par. I think my nutrition was not like to write what went right and what went wrong and evaluate that and, and move forward. Yeah. exactly and also to compare ourselves to how we were before if we're going to be comparing ourselves to i think the best uh, triath was it like three hours and you're an entry level that's it's kind of unrealistic like you said but if we just compare ourselves to ourselves that way we can improve uh, step by step and actually get to where the goals and the where we actually want to be but so that's where your mentor or your coach is important. I always believe in mentorship or in coaching because that coach will help you through that process, will help you also through the days where you feel like, okay, I'm not feeling good. I don't think I want to do it anymore. I want to do this. And so they'll, they'll help you in this journey. We all need like So mentorship. you had a mentor for all of these years during your race? Not, not in the beginning, because in the beginning, like 2005, this sport, sport was not that well known. And And me living in Saudi Arabia and everybody mm-hmm. else is like either in Europe and, or there wasn't even, you know, like the, the training, online training plans and the Zoom calls. And these were not like 15 years ago. They were not that popular. So it was hard to communicate. So the first few years I did it on my own. And then I gradually, you know, started to um, find coaches and learn from them and learn from a lot of people in my life. Oh, that's interesting then also, because I didn't know that there was, uh, that you had a mentor, the importance of mentor in uh, in uh, even races, because I know obviously mentors and people talk a lot about mentors in academia and when going into professional careers, but also races and sports. Yeah. Uh, but a coach is important because they'll help you. You can set a goal of, okay, I want to finish an Ironman, you know, in two years, but how can I get there? The how is what the coach can help you with. And a human coach, as opposed to a re- reading a book, I think is quite important because when we read a book, you might get too excited and do too much or do too little. The books are usually generics. They give you the basic ideas, but they're not tailored to you. A coach is tailored to your needs. You know, like this is your ability. This is your limitation. This is what you're dealing with. This is how I can change your plans as we go because the plan changes as well. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to ask a question. It's going to be a bit different than the questions I asked before. 
But what's a question mm-hmm. that you would ask yourself that I didn't? The, like uh, today in this meet, in this uh, interview, mm-hmm. how can you? Um, how does this form of endurance training carries to the rest of your life? So I think I've learned the importance of having a goal and the importance of uh, patience, being patient, and the importance of being consistent, like consistent with your life, consistent with your training. So you know that you have little steps to do. You're not going to train one week and then the next week say, oh, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm taking this week off. And then you're going to start back from step one. So just like a ladder, you climb every step. So it taught me in my life that anything that you need to achieve, whatever it is, whether it's in work, whether it's in um, family, whether it's in something that you hobby that you have, if you want to get better, you have to be consistent. You have to put in the effort. And if you put in the effort, if you're really uh, uh, patient with everything, and if you take it with a lot of uh, passion and love, then you probably will achieve what you want. That comes to the accountability. So when you have a mentor or a coach, uh, or a coach, you are you feel accountable to that person. They're going to come at the end of the week and say, okay, I gave you five training days. You've only done two and you didn't do three. Why, why did that happen? But if we just, if it is up to us sometimes and we don't have anyone to be accountable, we're more likely to just lay back, especially if it's something difficult that you need to do. And that's just human nature. So, uh, in my opinion, to success. It's perfect. Also, have you uh, realized it in yourself? Like before you had a mentor, did you, would you like lay back easily compared to when you end up having a mentor later? Yeah, definitely. Anything. Like if you have a, if you have a coach, that you can communicate with, of course, you know, uh, easily and stuff, you will, you know, that you, they will look at what you've done. And nowadays with all the technology and everything transfers automatically online, it goes on a platform. <laughs> so every, like they can see details of what you did. Why did you walk for five minutes before you started? <laughs> <running>? <laughs> so I, I'd like to have a coach that is, that is present, that looks at stuff, that cares about the athlete, that just, you know, communicates. And because your su- success is, is their success as well. That's true. Also, there's going to be a lot of people listening. They may be wondering, well, I'm starting out. Should I get a coach? Like, I know the importance of coach, but when should I get it? What What would you suggest? So I, uh, you know, I, through my journey, I said, I cannot teach anyone else except if I reach my own goal. So after Kona, I started studying coaching. So I studied and I became a, an Ironman University coach. So I can know the science be- behind it. And when, as you said, the question is like, when do I get a coach? Who do I get as a coach? What is it the qualities that I need to find as a coach? So I think depending on how serious you are. And let's say there are some people that would say, okay, I want to do this as a bucket list once in my life. And I want to just do it once and I want to enjoy it. I don't care. I just want to finish. Maybe you can go on with just an online platform, online program that you you can find but if you are serious and say you know i think i love this i think i i would want to invest in myself then i will definitely recommend that they look for a coach and it's easier to find from my experience a coach from your same at least time zone 
because then you can communicate easily with them. If you're a beginner, you need an on-site coach. So you need someone that was present there that can show you how to, let's say, swim, that can show you how to bike. Uh, if you're a little more experienced, then you could do with a coach that you can just connect to uh, online, maybe have like chats every week or something, and they can guide you, they can see your progress, they can uh, alter, change your, your program a little bit to just help you reach your goal. So would you say that um, getting a coach is dependent upon your commitment to the sport, not your level of the sport? Right? I would say your commitment. It doesn't, you know, the beauty of the sport is anybody can do it. And it's not a different than a team sport. You don't have to be like really good or really bad or in between. It is a race within yourself. And people race for many different reasons. They can race for charity, they can race for loved one, they race because it's a bucket list, they race because they love it and they want to really get better and they want to become a professional. So it depends. Of course, a coach is an investment and, you know, like if you, and it's also an investment from the commitment and accountability more than the financial investment. Like if you hire a coach, it means like you're committed to this. You're not going to just say, oh, I'm bored after one week. I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. More the accountability that you have to think about. Am I, do I really want to do this? And what am I willing to give up in order to achieve what I want? That's true. So, so I, always, I always have to, when I talk to, you know, athletes that I coach and stuff, I always talk to them about balance, which I think is very important in our life. Like, okay, we are, you get excited. I'm going to do all I can. I'm just going to train. I'm going to train so hard. But you can't do that over on the expense of your work or your family or your well-being or your sleep. You're going to say, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to wake up every day at 4 a.m. And then <laughs> a month later, you're tired because you've only slept like six hours every night. So it's important to have a balance and have a goal that is a dream that is big, but a goal that is achievable. And with all of the, your experiences that you've had, what is one thing, if, if one person listening to this episode right now is going to take away one thing, what is one thing that you want them to take away? The beauty of the sport. Like the, the beauty of competing in something that is challenging. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it needs time. Yes, it needs resources. But it's also highly rewarding to do something that you thought you could not do. You push yourself to a limit that you think like, I did not think I could do that. Whether it's a 10K race, whether it's a half a marathon, whether it's a marathon, an Ironman, a half Ironman, whatever goal you feel excites you and you, you put in the hard effort and the hard work and you know, you're patient with yourself and you do all you can. And then when you cross that finish line, you feel like nothing else in the world stops you. That's really amazing. Cause like you, we, we talked about so many things. I'll summarize everything we talked about. So we talked about in the beginning, you first going into, um, when you first got your bachelor's, you first going into triathlon and how you stuck to it and um, how it stood out to you the most and how you gravitated towards triath triathlon the most and athletics. And we also talked about the importance of taking it slowly and consistently and how that was something that you learned later on in um, as an athlete and triathlete. 
We talked about the importance of mentorship and getting a coach, the importance of uh, time management. We also emphasize a lot about not just how we manage our time, but what we include in our time that matters a lot. We also talked, um, and lastly, we talked about um, the importance of really doing what you are passionate about the most and, and striving towards that and making sure that if it's something that you commit to, to really to really commit to it with consistently accountability and um, there was three things uh, or patience for english speakers it's accountability patience and persistence perfect and these are the three things that uh, dr dina uh, takes with her in her um, journey in uh, athletics So if anyone is listening here, I, I hope you guys learned a lot because we talked about so many things. I myself, I learned so much from you. So thank you so much for uh, for all of these things that we talked about. Uh, thank you. Thank you for a beautiful interview. You're, mashallah, very talented. And I, I see like a bright future. It, it gives me so much joy to see someone, you know, young with good, good uh, communication skill. You're honestly, this is like, this might be one of the best interviews I've done. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm just like, I'm not trying to be nice to you. I'm just no, thank like, you. the way you, uh, you ask the questions. You're not, you were not like, you're thinking outside the box. You're not just thinking, tell us about your journey and share with us. Like you're thinking of something from, from a different aspect. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. That's one of my favorite compliments. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. Seriously, Thank I'm so you. proud. Of you. And I'm here to support you in whatever way you want. You know, like I, uh, I would love to help you in any way I can. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for watching. I'm Rima and today we had Dr. Dina. Thank you for listening in and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening in. I'm Rima and this is Think Like a Scientist.